0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Ask a Physical Therapist. Thanks for joining us on your local radio station, KDK, and or however you happen to be listening to us. Today, I'm really thrilled to welcome my colleague, Caitlin Tybee. She is also a doctor of physical therapy and has several specialties up her sleeve. And Caitlin, do you mind just telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure, and thanks for having me, Tanis. I really appreciate it. I'm Caitlin. I am, as Tanis said, a physical therapist specializing in orthopedics and pelvic health, which we'll be diving into today. I'm also a medical writer and a passionate advocate for women's, men's, and LGBTQ plus health across the spectrum. Fantastic.
0: So as Caitlin um, referred to today, we're actually going to discuss a lot about pelvic floor or pelvic health physical therapy. Both her and I specialize in this, and it's actually one of the reasons I decided to start the radio show here, because we're just not getting out as much information to the community as we'd like. And so we decided to change. And so Caitlin's volunteering her time today to help spread the word. Um, And she's giving me a thumbs up. (laughs) So we're just going to dive in. And we're going to do this in a question and answer format. And then hopefully it'll just jive into a conversation. So one of the questions that I think needs to be answered first is what is pelvic health physical therapy?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question and one that I think a lot of folks either don't know the answer to or have a lot of misconceptions. So a pelvic health physical therapist is, in my mind, first and foremost, a PT, someone who specializes in the movement system and physical movement and how we can optimize that. But within the specialty of pelvic health, a pelvic health PT will have specialized training in the pelvic floor, which are the muscles that line the inside of your pelvis, the nerves that control those muscles, all the connective tissue in that area, and all the organs around it including the ones up into your abdomen and other areas that surround the pelvis. So a pelvic health PT still looks at each patient as a whole person, but has special abilities and training to help people with issues related to bladder, bowel, sexual function, reproductive health and recovery, and general pelvic wellness across all ages from childhood all the way up through old age.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that's what most folks think of that have some experience with pelvic health PT is looking at bowel, bladder, um, and different conditions revolving around that, interstitial cystitis, endometriosis, um, fibroids, hypertonicity pelvic pain of all different types yeah. because it's such a wide umbrella, for, for sure. Postpartum, prenatal yeah. care, where we totally. can prep people for delivery and carrying the, the baby. Um, but I think that what's also important to talk about is that it's not just organs and visceral, right? Mm. We're, like you mentioned, the muscles of the pelvic mm. floor, so that hammock. And can you talk a little bit to how those muscles interplay with the rest of our body and our mechanics and yeah. how we move in space?
1: Yeah, it's a huge uh, area of interest because the pelvis is such a one relatively small area of our body and one that a lot of us don't think about very much, but it really interplays with our breathing, how our hips and our low back move, everything that's both in the neighborhood of the pelvis and even up above it. Uh, One of my favorite images is when you look at a picture of the pelvic floor muscles and then a picture of your vocal cord muscles, they look like almost mirror images of each other and they're opposite ends of the same tube. So as pelvic PTs, I think you and I spend a lot of time thinking about not just the pelvis itself, but how is this person speaking, breathing, how do they stand, sit, and walk, and how does that play into their musculature? Yeah, the overall um, pressure management
0: system. Totally. So I'm sure you've heard some of the chat about like the third diaphragm, right? Mm -hmm. So the vocal cords being the third one that we're kind of adding to, the yeah. list of diaphragms managing pressure intra-abdominally and in the thoracic cavity. If you can't manage your pressure effectively, how do you generate as much force or dial that force back as you want? And exactly. I think that resonates with our audience as far as not just function, but athletic performance. I was
1: just thinking that. You yeah. read my mind, I'm sure. What, what do you see most often in your athletes who come to you with maybe pelvic floor problems that they don't Either know they have or don't know they have? Oh, that's a great question. And I, I'm going to circle right back to that.
0: Yeah. But I just realized we mentioned the third diaphragm, but we didn't talk about the second the other, one. Yeah. <laughs> so we have the respiratory diaphragm that everybody's aware of. Then we have the pelvic floor diaphragm. Um, and then we have the vocal cord mm-hmm. pressure management. And they all should be mirroring each other. And I see that often those get out of sync. Um, right, where you might be trying to breathe in air, where, you're, where your diaphragm, your respiratory diaphragm should be lowering, and instead of allowing the um, pelvic floor diaphragm to lower as well, we're, we're holding tension, mm-hmm. um, or the opposite. So um, let's circle back to your question of what do I see a lot in the athletic population? Yeah. Um, I see kind of a mixed bag. Often I will see hypertonicity mm-hmm. in the pelvic floor muscles, meaning that they're too tight when a tight muscle, when a muscle's too tight, it can't really effectively generate more force. It's like walking around with your bicep totally locked up into full elbow flexion. Mm-hmm. Um, so a tight muscle doesn't always equal a strong muscle, or at least one that you have good control over. Totally. And sometimes that leads to pain. Um, and then there are also folks who are still crushing it, but they've had either some trauma or childbirth or something else happen. Where they start to lose the sense of their pelvic floor and not function. And honestly, I think some people never really do learn how to do a proper, con- like, Kegel or pelvic floor contraction. Totally. Or yeah. pressure management. So some people are bearing down and not supporting their, their abdominal pressure or their pelvis properly. But they're able to, like, just get by mm-hmm. and compensate for years until the wheels kind of fall off. And they're like, why is my back so tight and painful?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and sometimes like you said their symptoms don't even manifest as coming from their pelvic mm-hmm. floor. They come in with back pain or hip, uh, pain. hip pain. That's such a common one, especially in athletes and yeah. here where we live where everyone does activities that aren't really lower body intensive. We see that a ton. A ton. So. Super
0: and deep. it's not been out of the realm to see people with shoulder pain. Yeah, true. And there's studies showing that the strength of the glute med and the stability of the pelvis manifests, you know, poor, if it's bad, it manifests sometimes in shoulder pain because you lose the stability of the rib cage to stack on the pelvis. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're relying on to be our foundation for the shoulder blade and the rest of the shoulder complex to move on with stability. Exactly. Um, so I do get a few weird looks sometimes when people come out with shoulder pain. I'm like, we need to check in on your
1: pelvic floor. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: and then we check in and they go, oh, I had no idea. And then, yep we make a huge difference and they realize, wow, that's why all the other PTs I've been to who just looked at my shoulder didn't make a significant difference. Exactly. Not because they were doing anything wrong for the shoulder, but because that wasn't where the problem stemmed from.
1: Exactly. We weren't getting to the source.
0: Right. Any other notes on that before? I could go down a rabbit hole on that one, but I think you hit the biggies. <laughs> okay. Um, so then let's let's just feed into who needs pelvic floor yeah. uh, physical therapy, who would benefit from pelvic health PT.
1: Gosh, a favorite question, because it's everybody with a pelvis, which is, I believe, 99.99% of the human population. <laughs> there might be a few exceptions, but anybody that has uh, pelvis and the organs and tissues inside it can benefit. And we touched on this just before, talking about even very people that consider themselves to be very high level with very few problems, quote unquote, health problems, mm-hmm. can still benefit in terms of performance. Um, people that have been through significant life events such as pregnancy or uh, pelvic surgeries, for example, often seems, seems logical that they could benefit. But even people who haven't, whether it's just the effects of aging or the activities that they participate in every every day, which includes people who sit a lot, that can wreak havoc on your mm-hmm. pelvic floor, uh, those people can benefit as well. So I can't think of a single person who couldn't at least uh, – benefit from having their pelvic floor evaluated in some way to see if it is functioning optimally or if it's causing other problems like God forbid shoulder pain. Right,
0: right. So you've got kind of the, the obvious ones that we discussed on real quickly earlier, um, conditions like bowel and bladder issues, yeah. um, pregnancy. And, pregnancy, uterus-related stuff. It might be endometriosis. It might be polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, constipation, yep. GI distress, stuff like that. Um, and then we talked about athletics pursuits. But you're, I'm hearing from you that even if I'm walking around, I'm like, you know, what? I don't have any of that stuff, that there's a chance I could come in and you could find some things that I could optimize on exactly. and yeah. be preventative.
1: I learned early on to never forget to look there because I remember working with a patient for a long time who had um, some hip concerns that we thought were really simple and straightforward. And I should have known better, but I didn't look at her pelvic health or pelvic floor condition early enough. And we probably wasted a handful of visits Mm -hmm. just really cranking on her hip until we figured out, all right, we got to look a little bit more at the neighbors. So So what would that look like then if somebody comes
0: in for their assessment? And we're going to assume they don't have a whole lot of stuff going on. And they're like, I'm just here for a pelvic wellness check, Yeah, um, which is different to clarify than an OB or a gynecological pelvic wellness check. So what would that look like,
1: just kind of generally? Um, I think the most important thing for me to stress to anybody who's thinking about this is that in a pelvic wellness check or pelvic health appointment of any type, you as the patient should feel very comfortable and in control, and like it's a collaborative situation. If there's anything that feels uncomfortable or forced or something that you don't want to participate in, you shouldn't have to. Now... I typically will start with a very whole body look. I want to see how that person stands, walks, moves, how they do some of the movements they do every day. And maybe I'll be able to see how their pelvis is affecting that. Sometimes we'll get a little more in depth and we'll look at the hip joints because they're neighbors. We'll look at the spine that connects into the pelvis. We'll even look at to the abdomen, maybe palpating, gently touching it a little bit, maybe just observing how your belly moves when you breathe and how that coordinates. Sometimes that itself is enough. Mm -hmm. Other times we might need to look more specifically at the pelvic muscles, which might involve an internal examination. And there's several different ways to do that, depending on a person's anatomy. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times for me, I don't even get to that in the first visit Mm -hmm. because I have so many other things to look at. And it's also something that it depends on the, the therapist you talk to. But in my opinion, if that's not something that someone wants to do and is comfortable investigating... I'm not going to force it on them because that's going to do more harm than good, in my opinion.
0: What do you think? Oh, no, I agree with that 100%. Um, I think the other end of that coin, though, is that if you're going to a PT, and we're going to get into this later, if you're going to a PT who hasn't been trained in evaluating and treating internally, then that's not truly a pelvic health specialist. Exactly. True. Um, So they have been trained in PT school to look at the outside the global position of the pelvis and the larger external muscles like the glutes and that's great and that sometimes is what people will need yeah but if you're really looking at a pelvic health
1: assessment you need to find somebody who's been trained in internal work exactly even if that's not what you want exactly even if if they have those tools in their toolbox even if they don't necessarily use them with you on the first day
0: yeah yeah or maybe ever Ever. maybe it's not something that you want to have done or maybe you don't need it Totally. Um, but that's just kind of a litmus test of like how specialized and how knowledgeable they are in that area. Exactly. Um, I think that kind of helps with like who, who might benefit. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before this about if you haven't had a baby, then maybe you don't actually, why would you need pelvic floor physical therapy? <laughs> um, but I th- hopefully we've kind of like, shed that. some light on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> if you have a pelvis, there's a good chance you could benefit from leveling up a bit in your how you move in space, if not anything deeper, right? right? Exactly. Um, the other thing as far as, like, the evaluation, we have access to visual ultrasound, rehab, mm-hmm. rehabilitative ultrasound in our clinic, and that, to me, has been a game changer. Totally. I agree. Because we can, um, you know, without internal assessment and, you know, even above the waistline, take a view of what's happening at the pelvic floor mm-hmm. and people can see it and they'll love it. Yeah. Definitely. It's not so easy to figure out if you're doing the Kegel, right? Right. Mm-hmm. so a Kegel is a pelvic floor contraction, which should be a squeeze and lift that helps to lift the bladder and the internal organs a bit. Um, and a lot of folks are actually bearing down.
1: Definitely pushing out instead yeah. of pulling up. It's Which something is, like 50, 50% to two-thirds of female-bodied people, if they are not instructed professionally, they're not performing a pelvic contraction properly Yeah, in the research.
0: And yeah. so the more you do, the more you're just training the bad habit and increasing exactly. strain there. Um, and I see it a lot. I have a feeling that that stat came about for female-bodied people. Because that's who we're focused on, but I yep. see that a lot in our male clients. Even there. more, I would say, more of the men that I work with yeah. tend to do that. Yeah, bearing down is real. That and they can get away with it a little bit longer because of their anatomy. It doesn't always show the same kind of symptoms that would lead them to understand that that's what's going on. Exactly. Yep. Um, so if somebody's like, "Cool, this sounds something I want to check out,"
1: how do yeah. they? How in the world do they access it? <laughs> yeah, awesome question. So the first thing to know is that. In the state of Colorado, where we're broadcasting from, you do not need a referral to see any physical therapist, including a pelvic health specialist, by law. Some insurances, like Medicare, for example, and a few others, will require the referral for the insurance reimbursement. But legally, medically speaking, your pelvic health specialist and your PT can see you if they have any concerns that you're not appropriate for physical therapy and you might need additional care, they can refer you out. Now the hard part is finding a pelvic health PT from there. So let's say you're a lucky person who has insurance that doesn't require a referral, and you want to come see someone like Tanis and I. Well, that's great. We don't we uh, we are cash pay in our clinic anyway, so it's easy to access. But what if you're in an area where you don't know of any p- pelvic health specialists, or you don't know how to find one? The first place I refer people is to look online. There's a couple great websites. Um, so pelvicrehab.com is an awesome source where you can search by zip code to find people within a certain radius of you. Um, the American Physical Therapy Association also has a, a PT locator website, mm-hmm. which is specific to US-based PTs. Um, then the tricky part is finding out if they co- if they accept insurance, if they're cash pay. But that's usually where I start for mm-hmm. people.
0: And I think the APTA one is a section of pelvic health. Yeah, the Academy. Find a PT. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Academy of Pelvic Health. Find a PT. If you just search for that, you'll be able to. And both of those sites are run by two of the primary educating bodies for pelvic health PTs. So anybody on that site will have had extra in-depth training beyond their graduate school, their, their license, yeah. um, the bare minimum. Now, some of them might have only done their first course, which is better than somebody who's done none. Mm-hmm. And some of them have done, you know, multiple levels. And like yourself, you, you have your cap, right? Uh, not the CAP certification. I've done Capstone. Capstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somebody like yourself who's done like multiple and, you know, even gone a little farther and like presenting a case and, you know, having more mentorship and grading and accountability. Exactly.
1: Do you ever get folks? Uh, I mean, a lot of my friends know that I'm a pelvic specialist. So friends in other states who aren't PTs will call me up when they have a lot of, in my age group, pregnancy related problems and ask, where do I find a PT? And some of them will say to me, oh, well, this PT I went to for my knee, they told me that they're offering pelvic health now. And usually when my friends friends tell me that, my my radar goes up a little bit because I want to tell them to think about a few things. Does that happen to you? And if it does, what do you tell people to look for?
0: Um, it does. And yet I think that one of one of the research articles that always sat the most with me was about um, therapeutic alliance. Yeah, totally. And so my first question is, what's your relationship like with that PT? Do you have significant trust? And is that who you'd like to see for everything? Right. And if the answer is yes, and the next question is, okay, what's going on? Like, is it is it something like pretty challenging mm-hmm. um, or not? And so I don't totally discount it, but if we're like, okay, you definitely need a, a pelvic health specialist, yeah. then the alarms are up of like, okay, are they treating... Technically, anybody who's a PT who treats anything to do with the pelvis can say, I'm doing pelvic health. Right. Again, it comes back to, have they been trained mm-hmm. um, to do internal assessment? Yeah. And, and if it's somebody who's pregnant, ideally, they find somebody who's also done the pregnancy postpartum courses because yep. those are additional. Yep. They're not even included in the foundational tre- uh, classes. Exactly. But I think at the end of the day, you do the best with what you have in your area. Um, And maybe it ends up being, okay, if you can't find somebody, can you find somebody telehealth that's licensed in your state? And Mm -hmm. maybe they can collaborate with the in-person PT that you have and you love and trust. Exactly.
1: I think that's that's a great... kind of heavy medium, especially for Mm -hmm. folks who are in rural areas or areas where they've had bad experiences with other clinicians and have someone they really love now. Um, I think having that middle ground is amazing. Yeah. And if you do
0: try that person that you have a rapport with and you like a lot and you trust, but they're not fully trained in pelvic health, additional pelvic health beyond PT school, if you're not getting very far
1: or if things get worse, like make a switch quickly. Yeah. And that's a mark of a good clinician in my book is when they can say, you know what? I don't think I'm the right fit for you, yep. but I have somebody in mind who I think can help. Exactly.
0: And even if they don't have somebody else in mind and if they're trying to treat you knowing that maybe they're not the best because they don't have any other resources locally. Yeah. They will totally understand if you go in and say, "Hey, I actually found these other resources." Exactly. They'll be relieved. Yeah, and I already know how they can help you. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> well, do you have anything else to say about that? No I think we I think we covered that pretty well. And that should help you figure out if your PT is a pelvic health specialist, all those exactly. things we chat about. Um, so bottom line is if you want to check in with a pelvic health PT uh, you know, look in your local resources, you can look on those websites, call and ask if that place requires a referral or not. Mm-hmm. If so, get one from your primary care doc. If you can't do that, find another place that doesn't require referral if it's allowed (laughs) in your state um, and call and get scheduled. And it's actually, it sounds pretty simple because it is, other than the logistics of taking the time to find it. Exactly. And then how about just some random questions that we get? (laughs) Sure. All right. So this one I've gotten a few times over my career, over many decades. Do men have a pelvic floor?
1: Heck, yes, they do. Yeah. One of the, I think, more underserved areas in pelvic health because men have this very similar muscular setup to women and other people with vaginas because the muscles internally are quite comparable, oriented a little differently. But the muscles of the pelvic floor control urinating for everyone. They control bowel movements for everyone. They control sexual function for any, everyone. So all humans have a pelvic floor. And yes... Men and people with penises can benefit from pelvic floor therapy.
0: Exactly. And my answer is, well, let's picture the anatomy, which they can't because they don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I pull out my model and you can see that at the bottom of the pelvis really is wide open. What holds all the organs up in space inside the pelvis our fascia, ligaments, and the pelvic floor muscles. Exactly. So unless you're, you know, looking at your colon on the floor, you likely have a pelvic floor muscle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you're not doing that. But if you are, find a pelvic floor therapist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe go to the emergency department first. <laughs> yeah, do that first. Uh, most of us have connections with OB surgeons. We can also, you know, make sure you get, help you out. You get where you need to go. Um, so we talked a little bit about what to expect from the first session or two. Um and that might include biofeedback to either train up a muscle or downtrain a muscle, yeah. address breathing. Um, we talked about internal exams. Sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're not. But you want to make sure you have somebody who knows how to do that. Exactly. Yep. Um, what if somebody's queer? Will their PT understand where they're coming from?
1: Oh, great question and a complicated one. I can confidently say that if you're someone local and you're coming to see Tanis or I at our clinic, Uh, Both of us are quite well-trained and quite cognizant of people in the queer community, different identities, different preferences, Um, and I think both of us work really hard to be inclusive and inviting of everyone. Of course, this isn't a blanket statement. I generally find that in my pelvic health colleagues, many of us strive for that, though of course it can vary. I think it's a really good litmus test for any person seeking out pelvic health to potentially confront that early on if they're comfortable with it whether it's in your intake form that you note it for the therapist and see how they do or don't react or whether it's in the pronouns that you choose to introduce yourself or the way that you mention your partner or lack thereof gauging reactions that way can be a really helpful metric in my experience for how the provider is going to react but In general, we are trained in a very um, specific model to address quote-unquote typical female anatomy and typical male anatomy. There is more and more research coming out and more and more education for professionals like us coming out for people with post-surgical transition situations and and a variety of different um, areas. But that area, I think, still has a lot of work to do and has a lot of um, places to improve. I think the biggest thing to keep in mind and that I always remind myself is that we're all learning together. And if I misgender someone or I make an assumption about their sexuality, for example, personally, I'm never doing that with malicious intent. And Mm -hmm. please, please correct me. And I think pretty much any therapist I know would say the same. Same. We're all trained to help somebody with the goals
0: they need to achieve with whatever they're bringing into the clinic. Great point. Some folks have done extra training to know different surgical techniques that are Mm -hmm. being used and whatnot. And that's really hard to find, but some are trained that way. If you can't find it, then you need to find a pelvic health PT who's willing to learn. Exactly. um, And help you in all of the ways. Definitely. And I love that you brought up being open on your intake form Mm -hmm. as a litmus test. I think that's super important. And... A lot of people with all of the medical stuff we see, I constantly, I like, I might see somebody with shoulder pain, and I start working on my a scar on their abdomen that they didn't put on their intake form. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, what happened here? And they tell me, and I go, oh, okay, well, I missed that on <laughs> the intake form. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I didn't think it was related. Okay, well, let's stand in the mirror and raise your shoulder, and you can see this car puckering and limiting the range of motion on the shoulder. Yep. And then it clicks of like, oh, it is related. It really is connected. Oh, things are yep. connected. Like we know now so much more about hormone therapy can affect tendon health. Mm-hmm. And so literally could go into a provider's office with tennis elbow and think, oh, it has nothing to do. With my gender, or my hormone therapy, or surgeries, or anything else, um, but if you are upfront with them, then they might know something you don't about how it all connects, exactly. and they can help you faster. Totally. And like you said, if they don't receive it well, then maybe that's not the right team
1: for you. Totally. And I think, too, that we have to recognize as well that so many people have had medical trauma and poor experiences, particularly in the queer community. But even folks that don't identify that way, people that have had issues with fertility treatment is a huge one or yeah. people with who sought abortion care. And that's a really hot button issue right now. So I understand people's reticence to maybe disclose some of these historical elements in their background absolutely. but it does like you said that abdominal scar could play into so many other things yeah so. absolutely and you know i always
0: strive that we don't add to any additional exactly. medical trauma but we we do understand that you know there are reasons sometimes people don't tell everything and that's totally. okay just know that when you feel able to open up your team might be able to help you in a whole yeah. new way please do yeah um i think we need to end on that note. Mm-hmm. I think the only other additional note, we'll end there. This <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. We will continue. We will do more. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks,
1: Dennis. I appreciate it. Have a great day. When I sang chorus, everybody sang along. Then margarita were swaying side side i heard they were divorced but i guess they let it
0: slide
1: and i wish I had some money with which to buy around i wish to cash my paycheck before i came to town but i reached into my pocket found three twenties and a ten it feels so good feeling good again